and gentlemen, boys and girls, Giant Time is here. That's right! It's Friday the 13th, Part 6, Jason Lives on Kill by Kill. Well, greetings and salutations, Internet. It's your old pal, Patrick Hamilton, coming to you once again from Camp Four Screen. Where is it? Camp Crystal Lake. I forget. It's been so many years since the mass slaughter of dozens and dozens of people. That sort of thing can slip your mind from time to time. Anyways, we are the Kill by Kill podcast, where we are dedicated to celebrating the least discussed component of any horror film, the characters. We will be unpacking all the gory details of Friday the 13th Part 6, Jason Lives, with the hopes that a camper's untimely end is just the beginning of the jokes we can make about them. And as always, there's only one person I trust to help me calm the fears of small eight-year-old girls who have seen mass murderers hauling headless bodies across the window from them, the one and only Gina Radcliffe. How are you doing, Gina? But Patrick, I have a question for you. Yes, I, I am Are all you ears. ready to rock? <laughs> There's a lot of rocking, a lot of rolling in this particular segment, both literally and figuratively. That's right. You get all the different many colors of rock uh, happening in this particular section of the movie. It's a music enthusiast's dream or nightmare. Maybe that's more apt. It is a horror movie after all. And uh, we are not alone in our quest to survive the night. No, my guest this week is both a TV executive, he is a full-time nerd, and I think he is, without a doubt, a genuine champion David Bowie enthusiast, the one and only Chris Donovan. How are you doing, Chris? I'm great, Patrick. How are you? <laughs> that doesn't sound rehearsed at all. Uh, it. I'm doing wonderful. How are you doing this fine afternoon? I'm tan. I'm rested. I'm ready. Oh, that's right. Hey, I wish I was either tanned or rested. In that spirit, I ask you at this very moment, Mr. Donovan, what was your first Friday the 13th movie experience? Well, it involved a sleepover uh-huh. and VHS tape. Go on. And lots of, I'm not scared. Are you scared? I'm totally not scared <laughs> until it got sunny out. And yeah. And then I did not watch Friday the 13th for a very long time, even though you know it didn't scare me at all. <laughs> Do you remember which movie it was, or it's all a blur? Well, granted, uh, you can probably tell from my voice that I'm clearly a millennial. So mm-hmm. it was uh, the first one. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> well, you never know when, what, what people are, uh, where their first entry point is, because a lot of people I found actually discovered it through VHS, necessarily. So I discovered many entry points through VHS. Oh, this is getting to a Videodrome level that is both frightening and sexual. That's why I invited you onto the podcast, to get both frightening and sexual. Isn't that, so, this, isn't that this whole oove? <laughs> we're, we're just going to start talking about Patrick's body again, aren't we? It, just, it, always, it always ends up there. That's, that's always the... the, the it's that and the magic it's the underwear. Of, mm-hmm. of the uh, of the of every episode ends up talking about Patrick's bod. It's what every listener is desperate to uncover. 
uh, after we unpack all the details of our Friday the 13th film section that we talk about every single week. And so that brings us once again to our body count. Who is left alive at this point in the movie? Well, it's pretty simple. We're down to brass tacks. We got Tommy Jarvis 3.0. He is also the first person to wear suspenders in the movie, but not the last. We will talk about that later on. We also have Megan Garris. Now, she has a shiny set of hair and a pretty decent set of teeth and a very vast and expansive tight pants collection. Another thing we get to see in uncomfortable detail during this section of the movie. And then we have her movie father, Sheriff Garris. He yells a lot. And he also would like you to hunt down his daughter carefully if she is in the middle of a car chase. (laughs) And we have Deputy Thornton, uh, who is very good at finding uh, body parts and dropping uh, lines that are, in fact, the title of the movie. He's the first person to... uh, Wait a second. Gina, am I correct? Is this the first time someone says Friday the 13th out loud outside of the I original? I believe it is. I don't think that the any of the movies really established that this does, in fact, take place on Friday the 13th. They felt it was really necessary to underline the idea that this is a Friday the 13th movie by stating it out loud. And yet at no, po- um, at no point does yeah. anybody actually yell, Jason lives! <laughs> Which would make more sense than pointing out that it's Friday the 13th. Yeah, I mean, no one needs to see a calendar in this movie. It doesn't make it any Yeah, speaking better. of calendars, what time of year is this supposed to take place in? Because it's a, it's a summer camp, that, and it is frequently mentioned how cold it is. It's one of those things where in the middle... I, I don't know about your guys' summer camp experience, but... When the sun went down, it didn't get freezing cold. No, you didn't need to be... I mean, it just people was are cooler. seeing their breath. And it's like, is this some sort of survival camp? Is, is this like boot camp for naughty children where they, they put you in the in the most deplorable conditions possible to toughen you up? I think all of these kids need to toughen up. That, that's the one thing that needs to happen. Uh, they're a little lightweight when you think about it. Uh, they're frightened easily or they're really unimpressed. <laughs> Those are their two modes. Yeah, I just go um, back. I just go back to the top of the movie where it was the freakiest lightning storm of all time. Where apparently there's no rain. Yeah, no rain whatsoever, but lots and lots of devastating lightning and fog. Yeah. Lots of we fog. We have a lot of dry lightning storms. Yeah, a lot of fog. A lot of low lying fog. It, again, this is much more of a, a universal werewolf or mummy movie than it is a, a Jason movie. But that being said, it all ends up kind of working to the movie's favor. Yeah, we don't get a, a wet night. I think maybe they exhausted that in the last two movies. Both four and five feature pretty torrential downpours. Whereas part three, we get another dry lightning storm. Well, the first victim looked like he was ready for the lightning storm because even though it was the summer, he was apparently wearing L.L. Bean duck boots that they chose to have sticking out of Jason's coffin (laughs) at at an obtuse angle. Couldn't even put him back in the right way. No, he's he's not paid enough to do that. He's a high school graduate. He earned that job, and he's not going to be blamed for this. That's right. Martin, tell it like it is. That's right. So let's get right into the action of of where we left off. We are um, at Camp Forest Green. 
And this is the first time in any of the film's history, and I believe the last, where we witness actual campers at the summer camp while the movie yeah, is Yeah, there's a, there's, a, there's a great and sight gag of a little fat child asleep in bed holding a copy of No Exit on his chest. I, I, I just love the complete <laughs> and utter randomness of this kid reading reading Sartre at summer camp. He's like, eight? Well, as we all know, Gina, hell is other campers. <laughs> But I love I love that Camp Forest Green that they also like make such a huge deal out of the fact that it's about friendliness, mm-hmm. sportsmanship, integrity, courage, self-reliance, and of course tolerance. <laughs> I, do we see those actual attributes on display at any point because Yes, there's oh, multiple shots. <laughs> I know because not it being on VHS, I was able to pause and see them clearly. Oh, I see. Well, if you have the time codes, we could use those as well. It's very important for our audience. Um, We have a little girl, uh, not to put too fine a point on it. Her name is Nancy, and she has a bad dream. Or does she? (laughs) Or does she, Patrick? Well, uh, that's true. Okay, so there's one argument that she legitimately saw Jason Voorhees, which we know she didn't do because Jason Voorhees is on the fuck end of town bumping into court and Nikki he has, as they he, go he to the bones. He has managed up. to be in two places at the same time before. Come on, let's let's face it. That's true. We could have a, a Wizarding World of Harry Potter moment where he's bamfing all over hell and gone. Um, but the other section of this is that a girl named Nancy having a bad dream is one of those things that happens in, oh, I don't know, a nightmare on Elm Street you know, movie. I th- not a Friday the 13th I thought that was a little, little more subtle than Tommy asking Megan to pick him up at Karloff's general store. I, I, I found mm-hmm. the... It actually took me a second. Oh, Nancy. Because I keep forgetting that Nightmare on Elm Street came out before this. I, they're pretty... No, yeah. actually, they weren't that close together. Maybe a couple of years, maybe. I think Nightmare on Elm Street was 84. This was 86. Yes. I mean, so, you know, the part five didn't have time to react. But definitely there's a lot of, okay, this is what audiences are into right now and we're going to both comment on it and slightly tack into the prevailing winds of audience tastes can can we talk about Um, how how sissy initially reacts to to this little girl telling her telling her and paula that she's had a bad dream and saw a monster she rolls her eyes which it's this plays into a strange pattern i've noticed since revisiting these movies in that very mm-hmm. few of the people who show up at Crystal Lake or Forest Green or whatever you want to call it to be camp counselors seem like they really want to do it. They, they, they you know, they, they always seem kind of annoyed. They're always looking for the first opportunity to get away. Often they, they leave without telling anybody else where they're going, which seems to be a, a, you know, the first rule of being a camp counselor that you should not break. I mean, I, I, is this some kind of, local work release program i mean none of these people strike me as hardcore criminals or softcore criminals it could be just shoplifting you know i mean i'm not (laughs) saying they're you know they're obviously not gonna you know get any any jobs as camp counselors they're on some kind of registry if you get my drift but i mean it's just yes none of these people ever seem to be enthusiastic about being a camp counselor which which Enthusiasm would seem to be the the minimum you know expectation of what a camp counselor should bring to a camp counselor position. It is a low bar to cross when she... the then when the counselors of meatballs are able to accomplish their job with more joie de vivre 
than on a Friday the Thirteenth movie. I think she I think she used all of her enthusiasm for that onslaught of patterns that she was wearing. I I I thought that perhaps the smock she was wearing was also the drapes that were in the cabin as well. But then she had that bizarro pattern underneath it too, and then just for good measure, let's put a cardigan well, it's on so top. Cold. It's so cold in, in the middle of exactly. this New Jersey campground, presumably in the summertime, when people send their children to summer camp. Paula is literally dressed like a dental hygienist who's smuggling smack into the country. <laughs> it's both insanely patterned and voluminous in Yeah, she definitely has ways. enough room under that blouse I, to fake a pregnancy. Well, also, um, I feel, I feel but, Sissy but, also has devoted her energy to creating that Jason card game. Which I, I, I'm so, yes. so disappointed that she actually did not go further into explaining the rules because I feel like we could have, you know, gotten the next big Kickstarter out of that. Yeah. I mean, why are we wasting time with video games? Who plays video games anymore when we could be into the hot, hot, you know, milieu of card games? And card games are very big right now. You've got your, you've got your, your, True. your cards against humanity. You've, you've got your cyanide and happiness game. I, I think a Friday the 13th card game could give me big, big bucks. I, I think this is our, our Patreon. I think we've got it. This is our ticket to the big time. Here Finally, we Finally, revenue. <laughs> well, it's it's either card games or suspenders underneath sweats. Or, or, or some sort of yes. whatever strange pornography that, that Sissy is shown reading at some point. Oh, minute play, my favorite. <laughs> it looks like it was cut and pasted like a zine. Nude special. <laughs> all nude. Also, once again... Thanks, iTunes, for letting me be able to pause on that kind of stuff and really dive into it. Men at Play is a very interesting magazine. First of all, their cover model is Alexander Goodenough. You might remember him as the guy with long blonde hair in Die Hard who smashes up a drink cart when he doesn't get and his he, way. And he was in and Witness. His... And he was, and he was in The Money Pit. This may be the only <laughs> podcast right. that has mentioned The Money Pit. The 1984. <laughs> Five, six. I think you're right. Yeah, romp yeah, sounds right. In which rich white people buy a house, and it turns into a disaster. A house they cannot afford, uh, and they cannot afford to try to fix up, and so they do so to hilarious results, and then they cause uh, the real estate <laughs> collapse. So thanks for that. The minute play also features a side story on Arnold Schwarzenegger, uh, complete in commando makeup for some reason. It promises a lot of nude men. And also there's one of one of the slug lines is out of doors. Out of doors. Well, you know, I mean, some people are into that kind of thing. As as these movies have taught us many, many, many Many times. When you you gotta go, you gotta go. Here's the thing. Sissy is the second person to really don suspenders with aggression here, and she takes it up a notch. More than Tommy Jarvis 3.0, who, you know, is the kind of guy who wears his suspenders on the outside. But that's that's very basic bitch in Sissy's world. Uh -uh Uh-uh-uh. If you really want to be fashion forward, you wear your suspenders on the inside without a bra. And then you put a crop top 
court special belly shirt on with top. Her, with her. And you really hike up those sweatpants so you can see just about everything with her going last, on there. With her own last name on the back of the shirt, let, let, let us point out. <laughs> yes, so she played competitive ball at some point, and this is how she feels connected to the game, because part of her is always there. That is why she gave her title Queen of Hearts. Because she just has it all dialed in with the sweatpants and the suspenders. It's in between that and and the uh, bare footy slippers. Uh, it's quite a look. That's that's just a moment with the bare footy slippers. I, I have owned yes, bare footy slippers, and man, those things are fucking impossible to walk around in. I I will tell you that I'm surprised <laughs> she didn't fall down like six times trying to run from her cabin to the kids' cabin. They're like they're like wearing plush bricks on your feet so once sissy and paula uh, calm down poor nancy uh and try to get her back to sleep they wander back to their cabin they try to go through the uh camp blood card game and then uh paula asks sissy where the hell is court and <laughs> to quote to directly quote sissy this is what she says oh court said he's checking out things that go bump in the night pre-lap cut that two. fans are rocking <laughs> And Jason Voorhees comes knocking. That RV must have one hell of a suspension system because that is the most bouncy sex I have ever seen. Really outside of, you know, maybe watching it on the or internet. Show, or showgirls. Uh, I think it, showgirls it, may may surpass oh, it. Oh, that's true. I, I gotta say that, that this is probably the, the, the least sexy sex scene imaginable and there's there are very few sex scenes that i would say are sexy so this is a a, a very low bar but i mean i actually mm-hmm. had to skip ahead a bit because i could feel my libido dropping with every second <laughs> she was dancing on him which is which is really weird and and i'm not sure who who yes. that was supposed to you know be titillating towards but she loves that song she she, she loves that generic sort of s- synthesizer metal i don't even know what's how that song would be classified so i had to i had to look it up because it was it's a song called animal by a band we all know and adore called felony Which is just amazing. It's the one non-Alice Cooper credited song, at least on the entire film. And I just thought that that was pretty amazing when you have a chorus that's go animal, and yet it is the least appealing and sex is, scene And apparently ever. the song is over 10 minutes long? <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, like prog it, rock. I, it felt like she was doing the neutron dance on his crotch. To some unholy version of Huey Lewis in the news come Kenny Loggins' Highway to the Danger Zone fusion piece. I mean, it is the most clothed sex scene I think I've ever she's seen yanking, she, outside of broadcast television. I'm surprised that one of them doesn't like don a winter coat in the middle of it because they should just they keep adding clothes. They, they start less clothed 
and start to put clothes on in the middle of sex. <laughs> yanking him around by those uh, tank top straps, which again, wow, that's that's incredibly erotic. Because, you know, something a person really likes during during sex play is you just be sort of dragged around like a like a child with its teddy bear. Just, you know, you know, here, I'm going to put you here. No, I'm going to put you over here. Now I'm going to like just throw you back down. Wait, the songs will be over in 10 minutes. Just, you know, hold off. It, there's a lot of demands being, uh, you know, put out there uh, about what exactly is going to happen. But she starts off saying that he is the best. He's not doing anything. And He's just laying cut. there. He's not. He's making the most awkward faces possible. Well, and when he, she says, don't finish until the end of the song, and he says, how long is that? And she says, 10 minutes. He gives a look like, well, you might as well ask me to jump off a cliff. Cause that's that a little happen. unreasonable. I mean, let's let's face it. it. I mean, you know, especially when no, someone is just, you know, just tossing you around like a rag doll. And then, you know, that, that's a lot to ask. It is so bizarre, though. Like, I, I, I mean, you just think about those movies where it is supposed to be like titillating and you're just like, I don't even know what's happening. Maybe we should just go like make a burger or something or order a pizza and just be yeah, done this with is this. A good, this is good to be this I mean, is good for a bathroom break. Let me just get up and leave the room for a couple minutes. Yeah, she's having she's auditioning for girls just want to have fun on top of his penis. It's not it's not <laughs> sexy necessarily. Uh, the actress playing Nikki is is Darcy DeMoss. And the reason I know her name is not because of this movie. It's because of this movie and part five. Lo and behold, Darcy DeMoss was originally supposed to play Tina in part five. You'll remember Tina uh, because she runs around uh, saying fuck all the time and taking off her top. And that's about it. No one has any character in part five. And certainly Tina didn't either. But. Uh, the director of that movie, whom we all know and love, asked her in the middle of costume fitting to take off her top because he wanted to see her breasts. And she said, nah, son, you're going to have to call my representation about that because no one told me about nude saying just you know, no big deal. You need to clear that with my peeps. And he fired her. And then she got on this set. And they also told her to take off her top without contacting her agent. <laughs> so if you really want to be at the apex of misogyny and let's see your boobs, do a Friday the 13th film, well, ladies. Yeah, I mean, there, I mean, there isn't that. There's, there's, if memory serves, there actually is a minimum. Is there? Are there any boobs in this? Yeah, this is this is no, this is pretty no pretty uh, low key for for Friday Thirteenth for really any slasher movie. Uh, it's I mean everything is a step down nudity wise from Part Five, which seems to make it a a raison d'être of it existing. Uh, that being said, I yeah I'm not entirely sure why it takes such a big step down in, in terms of nudity, other than disorganization. The person they cast to get nude, they didn't actually you know, clear her to get nude. And again, she had no problem with doing it if they had only asked the proper way. And everyone's like, well, I, I, feel, I, I, I feel like that it would have been a lot worse if she was totally naked. I mean, for one thing, just it would have made the sex scene a lot worse, if not slightly less uh -huh. puzzling. Um, but she, particularly in terms of her character, we don't know who she is. She's just this townie i guess that that, that court picks up 
for you know to, to take a ride to Bone Town, and 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 her dad's her, her stepdad Horace is 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 what they feel necessary to point out that in in his RV, which which Court apparently thinks is the most magnificent thing he's ever seen. It is See, called a, a cobra. Oh yeah. When you when he goes outside, we reveal that the RV they are in is called the Cobra. But you see, that's where I uh, yes, exactly. And I was in the Cobra Kai place on top of it all too. <laughs> but the thing that I want to unpack is what Gina just talked about, which is like, what is the backstory of Court, camp counselor from out of town, scoring a hookup, but driving as he puts it, the portable house. Like how how did that happen? Where it's like, hey, let's hook up. Let's take my stepdad's RV and drive to the woods. How, like, how does that even go down? Court has a reputation that precedes him, I suppose. Almost like his pants are announcing him as soon as he wanders into town. I, that's the only thing I can think of because I don't get the impression that Court is necessarily from there. But we also are never told where any of these people are, in fact, from. Because they know Megan, and Megan is definitely from Forest Crane. And so is Sissy, because she knows about the legend, as it were, of Jason Voorhees. So maybe Court is from Forest Crane. He just, you know, dresses like he sidelines as a roadie for Def Leppard. (laughs) But unbelievable. (laughs) <laughs> it seems like there would just be an easier way to, to bump uglies rather than grabbing your stepfather's RV. I mean, I'm just well, thinking it it's a portable bed. I mean, well, I'll give it that. It seems like it could be a little bit easier, that's all. It just <laughs> it seemed like it was a little, I don't know, especially for that. I by mean, the way, I just... get in the middle of the forest like the previous couple from last Which, episode. by the way, like, you know, also another great set of suspenders and an excellent vest over a mm-hmm. t-shirt, over a over a blazer as one does mm-hmm. but they're the ones who didn't have the bmw they had the motorcycle apparently but then the kids are the ones with the giant portable house yeah okay <laughs> cool um that rv is something else uh jason comes across it and sees how the cobra is you know reared back and forth multiple times and he cocks his head like the way my dog does when I ask him if he wants a hot dog. <laughs> That's the first personality move I've ever seen at a. And out it's of like, it's like, it's like, dude, you know what's going on there. Don't, don't act like what? What are these people doing? I mean, how many people has he caught in the act at this point? This is like maybe the sixth or seventh couple. Oh yeah, I mean, just in this movie, in terms of chronology. He just stabbed two people who were about yeah, to Yeah, and I mean, he really, the, 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 eh, what's all this then kind of sort of head cocking thing doesn't really seem warranted. So Jason wanders over and proceeds to uh, rip the uh, electric cord out from the socket of the campground that they're in, I guess, or the RV parking spot. Uh, whatever it is. This reveals something that is interesting to me, and that is, in this movie, Jason Voorhees wears gloves. Uh, he's not really a gloves wearer. Well, yeah, he, may, he may have looked down at his hands and was just like, mm, I, I cannot let these be exposed to a, a delicate 
the delicate public sensibility. I mean, just just think of how how scarred and just mangled his his. Think of how disgusting his fingernails must be at this point. This is true. If he just, has, you know, them. just think of someone working you know simultaneously in a butcher shop and a jiffy lube, and think of just how nasty those fingernails would look. Yeah, I thought that he really foreshadowed Tim Burton's Mr. Oogie Boogie with all the, like, worms and stuff crawling around, and he's just covering himself in whatever he can to, like, pull it all yeah, off. I, I... Well, this is, this brings up a question here, because this reveals, during this sequence, his whole getup, which, me, which is, we see that Jason is not only wearing gloves, he's wearing a fucking tool belt. Like... Jason Voorhees is now one set of tiny hands and feet away from being a Rob Leefield drawing come to life. <laughs> well, he's prepared now. I mean, before he just kind of, you know, just plucked whatever, you know, spare weapon just happened to be laying around in the vicinity. Now, now he's got a, he's a little arsenal. He spent enough time at summer camp. He should know by now. Yeah, there's a lot. It's, it's a big tool belt like there's a lot of pouches going on for a guy who just rose out of the grave in that uniform did he kill survivalist and we didn't see that part like, well what's going technically on? i mean people people probably had their little their little pouches and all i mean they probably they probably oh. had like you know alka-seltzer in them but you know they they oh yeah okay well that would at least explain it all right Gina. i've, Gina I've done it again everybody i've done nice. it again <laughs> Fucking suss that out like she's Nancy goddamn Drew. Bow down, motherfuckers. So I think we should actually rechristen it more of a utility belt then than a tool belt. Okay, 100%. The power goes out and I guess court immediately comes. Is that what we are together? Just without any pretense, without any sort of to-do, she just like immediately knows that he came silently. And I, don't know, I don't know. I don't profess to know much about uh, uh, you. I've never been inside. I've never been a, a man, so I don't know how these things work. Wouldn't that actually kind of throw you off a little bit? It just so, suddenly just something just sort of happens, like the power goes off, or or there's a you know, mass killer. I mean, that's kind of throw you off your game, as it were. No, <laughs> being a guy, it's not a problem. Okay, then mystery <laughs> solved. Let's move on. Just keep just keep moving. <laughs> Nothing to see here. This it's fine. Death, <laughs> impending doom. Now nah, we're good. That that will not affect the blood rushing to one part of your body at all. If you suddenly get panicked. Nuh-uh. <laughs> the other explanation for this is that Court has actually trained himself to come as quickly as possible when the music is turned off, which is why he always has headphones so on. So like body. a sort of Pavlov's dog with with yeah, hair metal. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> again it. again i'm on fire i'm on fire oh, you're 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 two for fucking two man so it's okay. sort of like a coitus musical chairs you just stop exactly. yeah just train to stop and boom just you're done right you're not making yeah. the stupidest face imaginable that's well for right. court that's kind of hard to do he was he was born with one of the stupidest faces because i realized after staring at court Mm-hmm. I realized he reminded me of somebody, and he reminded me of, like, an fakely cooler version of Skippy from Family Ties, like, just without the glasses. I, I, I felt more, He's... I got more of a Patrick Dempsey vibe from him, like, Circa Can't Buy Me Love. I could see that. I could see him being, like, Patrick Dempsey's stunt double. <laughs> sure. Like, here, we need you to sit on the lawnmower while Patrick's in his trailer for a little bit. Just sit in the sun for a couple hours and... Well, we set I mean, the shot got up. That, that hierarchy of, of you know Matthew Broderick, Patrick Dempsey, 
Corey Parker, then this like a, guy way like a, cast of way Lost down Boys. down in the bottom of your right, like a Daniel Baldwin versus an Alec exactly. Baldwin. Gotcha. We'll bring Daniel out for the for the stuff in the swamp, and then Alec can do the love scene later. Fantastic. If you ever saw Trick or Treat with Skippy from Family Ties, I think he's a fucking dead ringer. To be honest with you, they both got that crazy poodle. Yeah, I can see, I can see it. I can uh, see it now. That it's meant, and now you mention it. I do, I do see that now. But I, I, I was thinking more, you know, just that dorky Patrick Dempsey thing. And then I, and then I thought of the movie yeah. Lover Boy, and then I got depressed for a little while. A large oh. anchovies is the oh. fastest way to oh. having sex with oh. an older lady. <laughs> hmm. Nothing weird or this wrong. This is this has been the this has been okay. the shitty eighties cable movies podcast with your hosts Patrick Hamilton and <laughs> Dina Radcliffe. Next week next week Blah. we'll be talking about Bachelor Party starring Tom Hanks. I'm just kidding. <sighs> that movie I'm just has kidding, a lot I love Bachelor Party. <laughs> yeah, Bachelor Party fucking rules. Doesn't that also involve an RV too? Don't they have a whole RV or is it a bus, bus that they He have? drives a school bus because yeah. he's bus. the coolest guy in town. That's he's the rock right. and roll school bus driver. He's the progenitor of the Simpsons character. There you go. That's what happens when you want to have a hard rock summer. That's also what Court looks like. He looks like Otto from the Simpsons. Mm. He just he needs that hat. He, he doesn't By have, the he way, like Depeche Mode hair. But he also is wearing the headphones. And what are they all listening to? Because there's a bunch of them that just have headphones on. No music comes out of them. You don't even have the sound of like music happening. But they all are like listening to something. And I don't know why I was very focused on that. But a modern film would have more diegetic sound than this does. Yeah, like what was she listening to while she was reading Minute Play? Just heavy breathing. <laughs> just recorded okay. heavy breathing. Fair. Guided meditation. <laughs> so she could focus on them listening, hunks. Listening to Soft That's right. Cell or some sort of like... Kinky Brit Rock. Nice. Kinky Brit Rock. Kill, 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 kill. Break, 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 break. It's Life Mark, a made for TV podcast. Each week, two friends plus occasional guests watch the best and worst made for TV movies that Lifetime and the Hallmark Network have to offer. These movies have it all bad boyfriends, adopted babies, crimes of passion, women who own gluten free bakeries. Watch along with us and subscribe to LifeMark on iTunes or wherever fine podcasts are sold. Kill, 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 kill. Break, 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 break. I'm Carrie. I'm Jake, and we're the hosts of Love You Like Crazy, a podcast where we rant about young adult books. Are there spoilers? Yes. Is there swearing? Yes. If that sounds like fun to you... <laughs> We're the best. If that sounds like fun to you, you should check us out at loveyoulikecrazy.com. Or wherever you listen to podcasts. Yay! Yay. Give me a call when you get back. Hey there. Hey. Kill, 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 kill. Break, 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 break. So uh, the power goes out. Uh, uh, Court immediately comes. (laughs) Nikki uh, examines uh, whether or not the power is truly out. Uh, apparently it is. She sends court out, out after much argument. Please go out and, ch- and check what because it's thirty because it's thirty five degrees in the summertime in New Jersey. Yeah, yeah, it's it's so freezing out there, and he barely has pants on. So there's that. I mean, he's the least dressed of anyone in this movie, and 
he sneaks out there. He sneaks out there like a ninja. <laughs> he already knows something's up. We learned that the RV is named Cobra. And that, I mean, in terms of an RV that's menacing, I don't know that this particular RV stacks up. Like, the urban pacification tank in stripes can't even earn the title Cobra. I don't know why this one was titled it, but okay. Oh, I have a question for you guys. Pop quiz, hot shots. Who is wearing more eyeliner in this scene? Court, oh, court or Nikki? It's, it's a lot. It's a, it's it's actually it's actually Jason who's wearing the most eyeliner. That's Joe. Underneath That's Joe. the mask. He just he just blends he blends <laughs> it very well. So it's a very subtle smoky eye effect. Exactly. It just really it, it highlights, it highlights the, mask. the it brings it, out it his really, cheekbones. really emphasizes the rotting flesh and 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 maggots <laughs> just sort of hanging there. They're so pretty and silky. Mm. Mm. Um, we I noticed this when Nikki was outside and I could see her breath, but Nikki you could see her breath. You yeah. can't you can't see her breath, but you can see her breath. That's true. Sorry, that's my enunciation problem. Yeah. Um, Nikki apparently has stolen Richie Sambora's non hat day haircut. Yeah, her her hair is even it's... in the more impressive level than Sissy's hair. Oh, for sure. Uh, it's it's structured. The amount of feathering and I I just don't I don't know how it is it stays so bouncy. But this is even after RV sex. It looks that good. She's got a damn good head of hair. Well, it really highlights those giant dragon earrings that she's wearing too. Are they dragons? I thought they might be geckos, but I, I like dragons better. I was going to go with dragons just to match the hair. <laughs> sure. She's like a rainbow in the dark with that hair and the those earrings. I was, I was more focused on the the when she comes out with the, with the jeans jacket later, and she has this like. Big, oh yes, the nice detail yeah, had, on this. She on has the, the pocket. big grandma state sale jeweled pin on it, which I am pretty sure I had a pin mm-hmm. on my jacket exactly like that. But I didn't. Ha- I never. Ha- I never yeah, had. Yeah, whoever I, was costuming this, I never had jewelry. hair like that though. Regrettably, nor did I. <laughs> Not that I was really trying. I was going for a more modified Jean Claude Van Damme look. You weren't. You weren't going for the the the, I, the court hair, the 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 Depeche Mode roadie hair. No, I had sort of a a modified hockey hair look. I couldn't tell you I'm why. Sorry. I guess I wanted to look ugly. I think is what I'm I, I have for. to do something. How can I repel I, I, I just women? I have to do something about my smoldering good looks. You know, Mom, please shave the sides of my head, but let the let the the hair in the back just grow out to 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 unacceptably stringy length. Yeah, that's I right. A, I, I I rock this hairstyle. I talk about tax return reform, and I'm a chick magnet. <laughs> I was business in front and mistaken back. <laughs> Um, so they decide very smartly that they should leave, but not before cranking up that oh, sweet yeah. tunage with Alice teenage Cooper's Frankenstein. Teenage Frankenstein. Yes. Which we, uh, we should all recognize. It should really be titled Teenage Frankenstein's Monster. I'm the kid on the block with my hit made a rock. Should we beat you up now or wait till after we uh, we, we stop recording? Oh, after. You can just, yeah, after, just punch me straight in the face or wedgie me or stuff my face in the toilet. <laughs> Either anyone's fine. <laughs> uh, he cannot get enough of this song, and he keeps, I don't, how, 
high, how loud does the radio on this get? Because we see like five or six cuts of him continually cranking up the music without the music actually getting louder. As he awkwardly drives this RV. I mean, this is way worse than me trying to parallel park, which is not good. It is not a pretty sight. Well, I, mean, I get the idea that I get the idea that it's oh, his yeah. first time driving an RV, and I, and I imagine they're probably pretty cumbersome to to turn and steer and park and drive down a straight line. The closest I ever got was piloting a houseboat on the Mississippi. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Look at little Lord Fauntleroy bit... here. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's when he was in fancy lad school. <laughs> I was piloting the houseboat with my manservant holding the map for me. It's a bit like sailing a bungalow that you would have in a parking lot of a school. Uh, It was not fancy. Uh, It also did not respond to commands. You kind of hoped and wished that it would proceed in a direct line. Apart from him being an absolutely terrible 39-point driver (laughs) to Mm -hmm. just, like, drive out of a field... Wherever, like, Koa campground they were parked in. Yeah, I didn't under- turn that much? I don't know. There was nothing around them, but we kept seeing clearly that he was moving it in certain directions. Not sure why. But then the other part of it was I really enjoyed the cuts back in to the vehicle, which was, like, straight out of Star Trek. Where she's just, like, <laughs> flopping around. It was like we're being assailed by the Klingons, and shields are collapsing, and... He's having a great time, and she's just getting battered around until she actually does, a, like, the triple Lindy until the back of the thing and, like, flips over. Amazing. Court all- is oblivious. Yeah, he's doing... And then does the RV, by the way, have, like, a flux capacitor or something? Like, what the hell did they do to actually start it back up again? Oh, no, she switches like it-, it from, ba- from uh, a- electric, from the actual cord to battery to actually start the motor i see they they actually do an insert shot to show that because the director of this movie cares about his audience (laughs) as opposed to part five that's right i'm still ripping on part five i might do it until we're out of friday the 13th movies this also plays into another classic friday the 13th trope of characters talking to themselves because he's just driving down that highway rocking out and talking to himself talking about how cool this is (laughs) how much he loves to rock Uh, he's just he's just having the time of his life while while his his sexual partner is just being batted about like a ping pong ball about four feet behind him. Yeah, he mistakes Nikki's uh, panic both for masturbation and pooping <laughs> violently. And at one point he, he asks, can I watch? Do you right. want to watch me? I was wondering if that was like a weird darling Nikki reference or something. I didn't know where we were I, in I the timeline. I need to know what kind of pornography he's been watching watching he's not watching anything he's strictly analog magazining it from, that's from, right straight out of the pages of men i was gonna say from the same company that makes men at play women at work <laughs> perhaps it's very exciting mm. uh yeah court does the white man's overbite down the road while uh, jason grabs nikki pulls her into the bathroom they have a very violent uh he struggles a lot with her because she's wily. I don't know, well, but it lasts. It's, well, it's, also, what for, it's about what feels you know, like the size of a typical New York City apartment bathroom. So about you know you can put your hands out and touch both walls. 
So I could see where that might be a little hard mm-hmm. to to get a hold on somebody to to you know snap their neck or whatever he in, originally intended to do to her. True. Uh, he's a mountain of a man, and it's hard for him even to turn around. Uh, but eventually grasps her head and then shoves her face through the side of the RV. I think it's it might be one of my favorite deaths in this entire movie. I, you just don't see that coming if you haven't seen it before. I've never seen a sheet metal facial before. Yeah, like I was like, what did, did he, is that plastic? How does, I'm not sure the physics of that are possible, but it's it's still a cool shot, though. It is. Yeah, it's a, it's, again, it might not work in real life, but it seems to work here. R.I.P.D. Nikki, um, you seem like a really sassy She's fun. Gal. She's a, par- she's a party uh, gal. I'm sorry. She, she, she clearly likes to party. She is a party gal. She would have been a, a lot of fun if she had ever gotten out of that town, but she won't. Uh, and after her death, uh, Jason uh, wanders out from the bathroom. Uh, we get a lot more conversation from court about who is going to watch who poop because uh, it's a Friday the 13th movie and people are obsessed with how other people poop. And for his trouble, Jason delivers a hunting knife straight into court's head and we get the super nice practical RV flip. That is pretty damn. It, it ain't bad. Awesome. It ain't bad. And, and that that shot of Jason standing on the flaming RV is pretty cool. I gotta say. It's I thought fun. it was. I thought it was bitching how the RV itself wasn't actually on fire, but just the outline <laughs> of the RV, like it had just been like kind of killed, and then they lit like a thing around it, like it was a in a ring, its own ring of fire. Yeah. It had and then he had his blood. like exactly. And then he has his like weird hero shot standing on top of the RV. It's 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 really breathtaking to behold. Like he a done. freshly shorn scrotum. <laughs> but on fire but on fire. Um, but on fire. But on fire. Aren't like, they oh. always after they're freshly shorn? Hey Exactly. Nair accident aisle one. <laughs> what 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 aisle are you shaving your scrotum on? One. Uh, the CVSs I, I, I go to are incredibly liberal. <laughs> um, and so we now cut to Megan and Sheriff Harris, and they're arguing still, and she's making jokes, and he's telling her to stop. Uh, this argument is interrupted when Megan answers the phone. We then cut to Deputy Thornton, and he's discovered the bodies of young Tony Goldwyn and company. But he is on his police radio. So let me get this straight. His CB it transmits sound to a red Batman phone. <laughs> How does that work? That's not how radios work. That's not how any of this is yeah, supposed to work. Shouldn't the sheriff have his own? I mean, isn't there all like, isn't there like a central radio in a police station? It's right behind the phone. Gina. I mean, they really had to get in that joke of Megan saying, "You know, I was draining the lizard." And... Yes, and it's very important that she not hear what he's hearing because otherwise, she wouldn't just wander out into the middle of the fray. I suppose. But then why not? She's just, real eager. CBs don't talk to phones, she's real dude. real eager to see Tommy again. I mean, to the point where it gets to be a little like, like have you not seen any other men in this town? How long has it been? The only other man she, is Court. He is just like, he, you know, he's giving her the whole, you know, Jason's back. You got to help me stop him. And she's like, well, I'll come pick you up. And, and she is 
like she is acting like he just said he was going to meet her at Pop's Chocolate Shop. She's all giggly and like, yeah, and like running out of the police station. And it's like, you're picking up somebody who claims that there is a, a mass serial killer who's risen from the grave and is killing again. And you are carrying on like you're about to go out on a hot date. It's a very weird characterization initially. Well, I think when you make the choice of having a 77 orange Camaro, it does something to your brain chemistry that you just can't. You just can't hold on. By the way, I forgive everything that Sheriff does who really is in desperate need of a massage just because he says lines like, hit the noise on those cherries. (laughs) I'm like, whatever you want to do, dude, I'm down. I'm down. You just... You just hit the noise on those cherries. Yeah, he, I, mean, I feel like that this is the best thing that has ever happened to him because he has like he has the wrong temperament for a small town sheriff. He's constantly simmering. He's constantly on the edge. Mm. And really, you know, how much of his daily his day to day work do you think involves anything more serious than chasing chasing a deer off someone's property? And yet he has other he has other gems like I'm going to repaint this room with your brains. <laughs> wow. That doesn't sound like the guy who's helping, like, you know, get the cat out of the tree. He's been waiting for this yeah. moment. I mean, compare him to Chief Brody in Jaws or the sheriff in, yeah, yeah, in, he, he, in Stranger Things. I mean, these are very laconic people who are like, you know what? I came here yeah, for a reason. <laughs> and he, meanwhile, he's like, if anyone says anything to me, I'm going to blow your head off. It's like, mm, yeah, it's down, like dude. Forest Green. The, it's like Forest Green, the Bronx here with the with Paul, with Paul Newman. <laughs> He's, a, he's, a, he's ready. He's so ready for some trouble right here in River City. That that's all he. That's what he dreams of. You know, if it would probably yeah. be you know less of a pain in the ass if his daughter wasn't directly involved in it. But whatever details. And speaking of details, uh, we get a shot of Tommy getting back into his truck, and he's apparently stopped by a local Barnes and Noble. <laughs> To pick up some yeah, where did he get those from? killing dead people. <laughs> he yeah, why did he stop like, by and pick up Tobin's it, spirit guide somewhere along it, the way? It, like, what, it, it, what fucking gas station did you get it those It is shot books? like he just came out of like a shopping mall or, or something like that. It's like, what got these books? Wow. I'm ready to do battle with the living dead. Yeah, I only considered it just right now. But luckily, this gas station had three occult books for me to peruse through and he dials in about 50 pages in and starts reading like the front part's just instructions like it was a very long introduction i love the third book which is just literally the quick start guide you know a manual to (laughs) occultism it looks like it looks like it's about 100 pages long it's it's a a quick read yeah speed read (laughs) screw gandalf i can figure this stuff out right now I got this. I've been in an insane asylum. I just dug up somebody and brought them back to life by accident. I got this. No, he's he's much more educated in just practical terms. He's street smart when it comes to killing dead people. So, yeah, he makes a phone call from Karloff's gas station, basically saying, I know how to solve this through my speed reading of these three books. All I need are some supplies. Megan says... Don't go back out on the street. My dad will pick you up immediately. I will come and get you. And then she just hops into that orange Camaro, uh, a hooting and hollering like she's a, yeah, one of those good old boys, never meaning no harm. This is like one six pack away from being Smokey and the Bandit. Oh, she yeah. got herself a date with the cutest guy in town, Patrick. Come on. <laughs> this is very true. Uh, and so 
we uh, cut back to Camp Forest Green where we find Sissy reading Minute Play magazine. <laughs> oh, another one of the headlines was Men Are Hot. That, 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 where is the lie? <laughs> I mean... <laughs> Uh, Sissy hears something uh, outside. There's a lot of back and forth, but what it ends up being is her going outside and her getting her head twisted off like a yoo-hoo cap. And then another, yet another one of those Jason looks to camera like, what? I can do that? Yeah, that's pretty, that's pretty yeah, grody. You can do that now, that is, dude. That's pretty, that's, that's, I think that's probably the peak of good killing in, in this. Uh, I think our next episode, I would argue, will contain the best kill, but this is definitely top three territory. Well, I also thought that this was once again with the like nod to references. They keep trying to wedge into this whole, I guess we'll call it a film, throughout this whole piece. <laughs> is remember she had dubbed herself earlier during that like beyond complicated Jason card game that she was explaining. She had dubbed herself the Queen of Hearts, and I'm like, oh. oh. Are they doing the whole, like, off with their heads? Since he doesn't really do that to anybody else, and it's such a very literal, and then literally let me parade with her corpse that her head is off. Uh, well, there, mm-hmm. yeah, that's that's probably at least the second of characters telegraphing how they're about to die. Uh, as with Martin, the groundskeeper, who looks at the bottle and says, you're going to be the death of me, which... <laughs> Uh, 45 seconds later it was well even then the the couple that was before this he he begged off of having sex because uh he was sore and he he and he pawed his chest and uh then we have ron palillo in the very first uh segment saying my heart can't take this and having his heart ripped out i mean it happens throughout the entire movie and yet somehow i don't mm. think at any point does uh, sheriff garris make any reference to you know someone getting off his back or you know just anything like just such backbreaking work how do they lead how do they we'll find out how, next episode how do they, i don't think that he does mm. but i would be they would that seems to be a golden opportunity that they uh left out of the script terror incorporated just works in mysterious ways <laughs> yes it does R.I.P.D. Sissy. Uh, we then move to Paula, and there's a lot of rigmarole. There's a practi- practically has a, a Marx Brothers routine where she, her, and Jason are mirroring one another uh, in windows. Uh, we find her sleeping with a rotary phone, hearkening back to Videodrome, perhaps. But this is all pretense. She finds this. She's woken up with, with by Nancy who's holding on to a bloody machete. She puts Nancy back to bed. When she gets back, the machete is now gone, but Jason is in the room. She gets hacked and slashed and then defenestrated through a window. And that's all she wrote for Paula and her many, many pieces of costume jewelry. Well, I I still love the fact that Nancy tells her about the dream. And she says, and I quote, because I think I'm going to get this maybe as like a tramp stamp for myself. It was real, just like on TV. I don't actually even know how to unpack that. I'll tell you this right now. Nancy grew up to be a Trump voter. because Did she? Yeah, I got a feeling. That statement right then and there is like, oh boy, she's a big Fox and Friends fan. Oh, not to mention, just hold on, let me pick up the bloody machete and just bring it to my counselor and not at all be freaked out or just look at the big sharp machete covered with, I guess it's stage blood. 
hilarious. Hi, horror. But it's... Paula did survive to go on because I uh, do have internet access mm-hmm. to apparently do a ton of episodes of China Beach, of all things. So that's why I think the oh, weird, right. insane dental hygienist thing probably paid off for her in the long run. That's right. She knew how to operate in a, in a combat zone because she had been in a Friday the 13th movie. Makes perfect she sense. She was exactly. just like an off-duty nurse, so she was probably cast as a nurse on China Beach, if that is the same show I'm thinking of. Yes, well, and then I'm, I'm and then I'm wondering if since she was the queen of diamonds, so follow me with this, mm-hmm. like windows, facets of a of glass, is that maybe like why she goes through the window because it's like a diamond glass reference? Once again, oh. maybe I'm just giving too much to them, but it's so specific, and yeah. it's like one of the few shots that's so clear. Well, I, I'd yeah. say I would say I would I, say. I that's a good theory, but also Jason loves throwing people through windows. Yeah, he, he has a history of it. He really does hate windows. He, he does. Doesn't lo- he does not like anything that gives someone an unrestricted view uh, because he has to live behind that mask. He just doesn't like the concept of it. It, it falls back into the Voorhees true profession, interior slash exterior decorator. Yeah. And candy glass is delicious. <laughs> it's very true. Can't get enough of it. And so that brings us once again to everyone's favorite game, Camp Blood. No, no, no. No, I'm sorry. Second favorite game. That is Choose Your Own Death Venture. And that is where we as a group decide if we were forced to die in one of the ways presented in this section of the film, which one would we choose and why? And so to review very quickly. What would you rather die from? Having your face pushed through the uh, metal slash plastic siding of an RV before you crash in it? In it, Or would you like a hunting knife to the head before you crash inside an RV? Or would you like your head popped off? Or, however, combination of hacking and slashing and defenestration that Paula ends up passing away via. And so I look to you, Mr. Donovan, as our guest to choose first. I'm going to have to go with the way Martin went because he's at least totally anesthetized from all of his booze that I'm like, yeah, just do it. Just give it to me, Sid Vicious style. Just take me down, glass me <laughs> while I'm while I'm just gonzo anyways. Now, that is a perfectly fine choice, but the problem is it's not one of the four choices that we were presented in this section. Well, like Tara Incorporated, I like to go off reservation every now and then. (laughs) Go off book, like sometimes we're going to presage it, sometimes we're not. Okay. So we we have our first revolutionary on the podcast, Gina. Mark it down, someone who refuses to play the game. (laughs) I I refuse. I refuse. I refuse to play the game because Terra Incorporated refuses to play the movie game. All right, so to play your game, mm-hmm. Mr. Games Master mm-hmm. Guy, I would go with uh, I'd go with uh, him popping my head off. I think just okay. twist it, just twist this bad boy right off, like I'm a cheap bottle of wine. Now this also means that you have to wear suspenders on the inside of your shirt. What makes you think I'm not doing that right now? Uh, that's a good point uh gina what uh, this say is you? an easy one for me um because i too have sold my soul to rock and roll i'm going to uh <laughs> I'm gonna go out like court it's quick it's clean uh, he got laid right beforehand he was having fun it's, it's not a bad way to go 
Oh, Gina, you read my mind once again. I'm totally going court because A, I want to have that hair. B, I want to have those pants. And C, I want to die to Alice Cooper. That's the way I want to go. It's, and at my funeral, they will then play Candy by Candia. And then, then everything will be complete. Yes, I did request to many people that I've known over my lifetime that I would like Candy by Cameo to be played at my funeral. And I haven't changed my mind simply because I don't I, I hope to. I'm hoping that's for, uh, for Yakety Saxty playing while my, while my, my casket is being lowered into the ground. And yeah, then as they sure. exit, exit the service, perhaps the, uh, the cover of My Way by Sid Vicious. <laughs> would, you, would you like Slash playing as a helicopter shot goes off and we slowly pull back if, from your grave? If side? someone could leap into the, the cake at my, at my wake, that would be just, just perfect. I would look down from heaven and, and smile sweetly and say, thank you, friends. Thank you for answering all my requests. <laughs> I go in peace now. Outstanding. I, of course, would go with the Ramones. I don't want to be buried in a pet cemetery. Because you really don't. No. I don't want to live my life again. <laughs> Not in Maine. That's for damn sure. No. Um, no. No. Uh, so that, once again, brings us to a close. Hey, uh, Mr. Donovan, uh, where can people find you on the Internet if they want to find out more? Um, I'm at C Donovan, and that's S E E D O N O V A N. Excellent. Check it out. Hey, Gina, where can people find you I on the internet? I write about 70s and 80s television at tuneintonight.wordpress.com. Well, that brings us to an end, unfortunately, of yet another kill by kill. But don't worry, kids. The. The body count will continue next time. If you want to reach out to us, there's a couple ways to do it. Join the conversation on Twitter at Kill by Killpod, or if you have something longer to say than 140 characters, send us an email, killbykillpod at gmail.com. We're also on Instagram uh, at Kill by Kill Podcast. Uh, we're doing some fun things there, and we're on Facebook as well. Uh, we are not on Snapchat, and we refuse to be. Gina's on Snapchat. She once asked me to I, I don't use it. I don't use it anymore. And there we go. Don't look for us on Snapchat. We're not cool. Uh, and so that brings us to the end for myself and for Chris and for Gina. Bye-bye, Bye-bye everybody. Thank you. Kill by Kills produced by We Write Good and is intended for entertainment purposes only. Friday the 13th is owned by Paramount Pictures. Jason is owned by New Line Cinema. No infringement is intended. Kill by Kill logo was designed by Josh Hollis. Visit him at joshhollis.com. The Kill by Kill theme was created exclusively for us by Revenge Body. Get the whole track and much, much more at revengebodymemphis.bandcamp.com today.